Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hi, Andy Richter here. Uh, I'm uh, here again with the three questions. And uh, I'm speaking today to a beloved presence on our stage screen, both large and small. Uh, Jason Alexander. Hi. Hey, Andy. How are you? I'm better than most, not as good as some. Good, good, good. (laughs) And, and, And we were just speaking about how this, where we're recording this is very much in your neighborhood this was a delight i strolled i literally strolled from my home to yours nice it it was a delight yeah 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 i felt like i was back in new york going hey look at me it's i'm walking (laughs) i know it's always great when you can walk somewhere here although it does feel weird sometimes it it is a little strange yeah yeah the first time i ever came out here long 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 time ago i can't remember i was auditioning for something and I, I had to go over to the Fox Studios, and I was staying at a hotel in Beverly Hills. And I, in, on the map, it was like not a big distance. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Oh. So I went, oh, you know what? I'm just going to walk it. Yeah. And a Beverly Hills police officer, as I'm walking with a sport coat on, can I help you? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> they were very concerned that a stranger was walking in Beverly Hills yeah, without yeah. benefit of dog. Right. You know, so uh, <laughs> it was apparently uh, not a good thing out here. Yeah, no, I have done that. Well, doing it here and then, but in other cities too, like going to Kansas City, picking a restaurant and saying, oh, look on the map. It's not that long. And then it's like, oh no, it's a long walk. It's a long walk. Yeah. Yeah. And in Buffalo, I did that as a young man in Buffalo. And I remember asking a guy who was sitting on a stoop, you know, I'm looking for the such and such restaurant. How far is it? And he goes, "Uh, two, 12 blocks. And I went, wow, that's a range. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big. I guess we don't do that very much. (laughs) Well, I want to get this right off the top. I asked my new venture. Yes, your new (laughs) the thing that'll finally put you on the map. That's right. Yeah, it's about time people started. You know, we wanted to we wanted to hop into the podcasting thing before it took off. I don't want to get in when something's glutted. (laughs) I I want to get in when it's fresh. Oh, I I was I I you know my agents Johnny come lately. Yeah, uh, Incorporated. Because, yeah, no, it was already, well, I, I, and I mentioned this before on here, I have friends who were truly podcast pioneers, like they were, they were pioneers. They were, I would, I went on their podcast and was like, what does that mean? Podcast. Um, So I was always a little bit hesitant. I can't come in TV boy and like, I'd like to do one too, but I'm right there with you. Yeah. But then it ended up like, well, everybody's doing them, you know? We've had a fascinating time. It's really, um, uh, I'll, I'll help you with the plug. It's called uh, Really No Really. Uh-huh. It's really the brainchild of my creative partner, Peter Tilden. Mm-hmm. Um, 
who I think I've met. I'm sure like you absolutely I met must Peter. Have Peter met was him somewhere. On, along uh, he was a talk radio host out here yeah. for thirty years. Yeah, and, uh, I've had two uh, very failed but very fun follow up series to Seinfeld, and Peter <laughs> created both of them. Why I'm still with him, I don't know. I, I'm a glutton for punishment. Well, the you know third times the charm. That's the charmer. Yeah. Um, so this was really his idea, but the the show is. Um, it's a really simple premise. It's just we explore stuff that makes us go, really? Yeah. No, really? And and the range is extraordinary. Yeah. And we, we're, we, we actually did a lot of episodes as a proof of concept and then sold it to iHeart. I see. We've only Wait, they're the competition. Oh, I'm so Get sorry. Out. Yeah, out. But it's also yeah. available wherever you listen. Oh, of course. Yes. Um, but we've only, I think we've dropped uh, eight or nine. Oh wow! Uh, 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 you know, full episodes on the air. And how but many did you do before so as the proof of concept? We we did about a dozen, but oh, the wow. format changed. I see because we thought you know the first one we ever did was based on a Jerry Seinfeld stand-up premise uh -huh. of his observation about why is it that the uh, the stall doors in public restrooms don't come down to the floor. Why can't we have that privacy? He does a great bit about it's a little viewing window for your sad belt and your pathetic <laughs> shoes and your. Um, but he, but you know, he never answers the question because he doesn't know the answer. Right. We went okay. Funny observation, but yeah, why is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we found an award-winning public restroom designer, and we got the answer. And initially, when we did that episode, he was our entire episode. Yeah. We we did forty minutes with that guy. Right. And he was great, and it was fun. And Peter and I have a fun banter. But we realized that's a lot of time for a single small topic like that. So mm. over the course of developing it to sell it. The episodes tend to start with something quite small and they balloon up into bigger issues so that when when bathroom finally aired we had three guests on that and it became about why are we so quick to surrender our privacy why yeah. are we so cavalier about that yeah and so it, it it starts with something kind of silly and it often gets you know rather if not heady significant sure. or, or thoughtful can i guess the reason that they don't go all the way down sure mopping you're you you're the first person to really get it. Yeah, yeah. So it has to do with it. Uh, unfortunately, in high traffic public restrooms, uh -huh. the mopping is minimal. What they do is they have almost like a a sprayer. Oh device, yeah, and the tile goes up the walls, so they spray over the top of the stalls. Oh wow! It runs down the walls. It runs across the floor, and, just goes and you out. notice there's drains sure. in the middle of the floor. So all these guys are doing are squeegeeing yeah. down. They don't want to have to deal with. So they can go right under since it's all coming yeah. down to the floor. They go right under with the thing with and the sprayer. Wow! Yeah. yeah, it's got you know it's the bathrooms are the same as an abattoir. It's like <laughs> just let everything <laughs> everything just flows right. down to a drain. You, you know. Yep. And uh, by the way, do you know why the hand dryers have replaced the towels? It's not because of saving money on paper. Uh, saving money on labor, taking trash out, vandalism vandalism kids would go in and set the towels on fire <laughs> <laughs> and, and with enough of a preponderance right, right, right. that the industry went uh no Hold on <laughs> we're minute. gonna switch this up oh <laughs> uh, good going kids yeah. no the world america's fine <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't that honestly is uh that would it wouldn't occur to me in a hundred years, a hundred teen years to like. <laughs> oh, why don't I set that on fire? Yeah, that's hilarious. Come on, but I do think in those kind of instances, like, like why do we surrender our? When you said why do we surrender our privacy, I think like, well, that's like a very modern idea in the first place. You know, I mean, 
people yes. were tossing their tossing their waste into the street, you know, and they were but communal. The, but, sit, you know, you know, when you up until twenty five years ago, yeah, when you and I went home and we shut our doors, for the most part, there wasn't a, a real portal looking in, right? And we weren't unknowingly broadcasting out. Yes, yes. So I don't have this, but many people have the Roomba. Yes. The Roomba is a communication device. And as it's going around your home, do you know how it learns? It maps your house. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also maps and sends a signal out about the mapping of your house. <laughs> that absolutely true. It's like, you're, you're, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, everybody has a ring doorbell. Yeah. Well, if my neighbor has it, I'm on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, we don't have a choice anymore. No. We really can't no. insist on privacy. But, but in a, in a restroom, you, you know, the, the, the old adage in our business, if you can see the camera, the camera can see you. <laughs> well, if, he, if you're sitting on the toilet and you're seeing clearly so, the faces of passersby, yeah, they're yeah, seeing yeah. you. They sure so, are. They sure are. Know, there's no privacy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's something egalitarian to it. Oh, it's, oh we're know. all, aren't we all? We're all equal. We're us. all enjoying. We're all enjoying the same amount right. of shameful yes. indulgence. And in that's our, how people get over stage right. They go, imagine they're all they're all pooping somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and with some matinees, they might be. Well, yes, there's very old people yeah. down there, you know, and young people too. Uh, well, that's great. I mean, and and so far, it's I, uh, the one I wanted to re- hear about is. Uh, Renegade Piranha, yeah. blunt roller to the stars. Yeah, she was amazing. And she's an amazing young lady. Yeah. Um, uh, born in Iran, um, uh, came here when she was a, a, a young teenager. She's a rapper. She, I mean, she has many aspirations. Yeah. Uh, now, you're talking to less than an idiot on this subject because I've never been drunk. I've never been high. I don't. I don't smoke anything. Right. I, I can't smoke weed. I'm actually allergic to it. So she brought tons of that stuff into our studio. <laughs> and if I hadn't taken a healthy dose of, of allergy pills and sprays, I would have had a problem. Wow. But um, yeah, she has become the blunt roller to the stars. And uh, primarily where she made her you know, sort of name publicly was for Snoop Dogg. Right. And um, yeah, because there the, was some he, there comment. Was stories about. Yes. And she has she's someone walked just, us back a little yeah. bit as it was misrepresented. But um, for Snoop alone, she was rolling somewhere between 75 and 150 blunts a day. Blunts. <laughs> this is not a oh, puff yeah, and you're yeah, done. Yeah. These are, you know, stogies. Is she mixing um, them with tobacco? Cause yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and apparently very fine tobacco. Wow. Um, I, I have to say, you know, she she rolled one in in the studio during the show, and it's a work of art. It's got a glass tip. She has developed her own natural glue to wow. seal it. Um, all of this stuff is available on, on her website, and she <laughs> yeah, because the, it'd, be, it'd be terrible if terrible if you inhaled something unhealthy. Oh, you yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. and she brought as a gift. She brought <laughs> two bags of weed, right? And I I said to her. These are like big Ziploc bags. Yeah. I said, what is the relative street value of what you've just handed me? And she went, well, that's about a thousand bucks. Again, I don't know from weed. This yeah. is not my thing. I, I put the two sealed bags in another sealed bag in the trunk of my car. And I was sure if a cop passed me, yeah. they'd smell it in their yes. car. I still can't get the smell out of my car. It's, that is the most powerful. Yep. So uh, somebody I know very well smokes every day, and they're very happy. I gave them 
this thing. And I yeah. went, how was that stuff? And they went, holy shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wowie wow. Yeah. Who's yeah. a wah wah wah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh that, that she was, but she was fantastic. She was, you know, she's everything you want in a conversation. She's lively, she's smart. Wow. We'd have her back in a heartbeat. I see William Shatner as a guest. Yeah. Did you have him on? Yeah. So we And what about what about him makes you go, really? No, really. So again, um, we try not to have a celebrity on for the sake of celebrity. Yeah. You know, there are many, many, many shows, and yours is a very successful one, where where you talk to people who are just notable people and right. you have conversations. We try to make sure that there's something that that makes us go, really? Yeah. What started us off on that, there were two for Bill. And we both, Peter and I know Bill pretty well. One was the obvious one. At 92 years old, without benefit of training, they blasted you into outer space. <laughs> and we said to him, was there a medic on board? He went, I don't know. I, 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 I would imagine there is. And, and I said, well, what? Is there a defibrillator? Is there? Yeah. And he said, no, they said, um, if there was a problem with my heart, the G-force going up, and the G-force coming down would probably restart my heart. And, I went, oh, and that was fine with you. You went, okay, good. Okay, check that box. So that was the first thing is we wanted to find out how anybody, you know, who was insuring that flight? They went, right. yeah, no problem. We'll right. put him on. The other thing was, honestly, Bill does more in a week than you and I together do in a month. Wow. He's got this uh, joie de vivre uh -huh. and this passion and this curiosity for everything. Yeah. He's still making albums, doing concerts, touring, reality shows, non-reality shows. Well, the he's got this whole horse organization, horse charity, yeah. reads horse. He writes book nonstop. Yeah. And we were fascinated because Peter, I'm 63 and I go, I I, I need a nap. Yeah. Um, how does he do it? What generates it? Yeah. And so we started talking about that kind of stuff. But Bill, you can't Bill dictates any interview. Sure, Bill goes where he wants to right, go. Right. And it's usually where no man has gone before. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Can't you tell my love's a girl? Uh, you're a Jersey boy. Yeah. Mom's a nurse and your dad was an accountant, correct? 
My dad was many things. Uh-huh. Um, my mother was always a nurse and a nurse educator. Okay. She, she uh, created and ran probably the most highly acclaimed uh, nursing school in New Jersey during the years that she was there. Uh, my dad... <laughs> um, so I don't know how many of my dad's stories are true or not true. Many of the ones that I sort of turned a, a side eye to turned out to have some veracity to them. Yeah. My dad um, did everything from, uh, in his youth, he seemed to have been associated with the Jewish mob in the oh, Lower wow. East Side of New York. He claims to have been a Pinkerton detective at some point, where I go, what's the vetting process for that if you were working for the Jewish mob in New York? <laughs> um, he was a transit bus driver, New York, New Jersey line. He sold life insurance for many years. Um, he, he ended his working life, yes, as an account manager for a brush manufacturing company. Oh, okay, account yeah. manager. I yeah. see, I yeah. see. Uh, but he, yeah, he did. He worked for Bell Laboratories at one point. And this wow. is a guy that you know had one year of a college education. So wow. I don't know. Very diverse and sort of checkered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would you, I mean, well, in that case, was your mom the provider of stability, and your yeah. mom was the provider mm. of yeah? Or my, your dad was the provider of. I don't know, entertainment. Adventure yeah, and yeah. entertainment, yeah. They so my parents, uh, my my dad was a widower when he was uh, forty eight years old. Oh, okay. he, he had uh, uh, two children with his first wife, and she passed away uh, from a disease called scleroderma, which would eventually kill my my sister as well. Mm. Um, so he had one, and my my sister was always very sickly. So my father had a, a, a wife that spent three years at great expense unfortunately not making it yeah a sickly child and my brother was because of all that a kind of a renegade kid he got into a lot of trouble as a kid yeah so my dad was broke at age 48 and uh a single father wow. without the emotional or or financial tools to do that somehow he got set up on a blind date with my mother yeah and at the time my mother was a 39 year old woman who had never been married and had never really at that point thought she would never be married yeah and they just a career yeah in, yeah. yeah and they kind of hit it off and within very short time my father said look here's the deal <laughs> do you want a husband and a family because it's, uh, i got both yeah, yeah and but what i don't have is i i can't raise these kids on my own and yeah. i'm 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 in debt up to my ears and you know it, it was kind of a a business arrangement yeah yeah well, um, it sounds very in, alluring. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And so what, they, well, who could say no to that? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. They, so they both went into it with eyes wide open. Yeah. Um, in 1959, 39-year-old women did not get pregnant. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't a thing. Yeah. Except, <laughs> so when I was born, my father almost hung himself because he went, I'm never going to retire. I'm, I, 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 I can't get out. I can't get out. Um, and how old were how old were my the dad son was and fifty? When and I how old were the son? And my daughter? sister was uh, thirteen when I was born, and my brother was seventeen or eighteen okay. when I was born, um, or maybe eighteen or nineteen. So I I grew up never really knowing my brother. He yeah. moved out, you know, hard on the heels of my birth. My sister uh, was around for the first four or five years of my life, and then yeah. she went off to college in her life. Right. So I really grew up mostly as an only child. Yeah. Uh, but those were my folks, and um, uh, uh, they were amazing, colorful, yeah. funny, yeah, yeah. interesting, nutty. And did it, do you think that that was kind of what set you on the road to show business, to like being an no. entertainer? Or mm, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, 
nobody in my family was really in that business. My parents were both really good storytellers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've told the story. I've told this thing several times. And it, it, I, I know if you look at me now and you look at what I do in the public forum, it's a little hard to believe this, but I was an incredibly introverted child. Mm. I was um, very shy. I believe I was it. frightened. I talked to things. so many people here who do what we do who yeah. are like, I'm very shy, yeah. you know. And I was a I was pretty much a loner kid because I was such a fearful kid around when I was 5 or 6 years old, I suddenly got this thing about magic. I wanted to do magic. I wanted to be a magician. Wow. I think I do saw you know, like Mark Wilson on the say, Ed Sullivan show and, and his t- kid was in the show. Yeah, and I went, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, powers, powers. Yeah, <laughs> right? Magic. And, you know, if you, in the comic books, they were always said, get the whammo magic kit, you know? Yeah, and so I, sure. I was sent away for that. And, and I, and I became as much as you can be a serious six year old, I became very serious about magic. Yeah. And I had the kits and I had the books and I would be up in my room and I'd be practicing. And, and I really, if I had any ambition, it was to be some sort of performing magician, but I didn't think of it as performing because I thought of it as empowering myself. If I could just make people feel that I was special in any way. Mm. So you were almost kind of believing it. You were almost kind of a oh, mark. I, I, yeah, no, I just wanted to create the, the illusion. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, if I could make, if I could find your card in the right, back, right. I, I must be special. But there's a magic to it that you, you know, you sure. were believing in some kind of magic. Like, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah, I know the tricks behind it, but still there will be this, like... Absolutely. Oh. When I was 12 or 13 years old, a couple things happened simultaneously. We moved five towns over where I knew absolutely nobody, Mm. and I went to magic camp. And at magic camp, and I wanted to be a close-up magician. I wanted to do the things with my hands. And I went to magic camp, and I had a professor who basically went, oh, this is not for you. And one of the reasons was that even to this day, my hand is so small, I cannot palm a standard playing card without some corner of it peeking wow. out. So cards, and I don't have long fingers. So the, for, for what was fairly easy for most kids yeah. was difficult for me, and I wasn't even getting to the difficult stuff yet. Wow. So I realized I was not going to be the kind of magician I wanted to be. And I was what, really kind of shitty blow. To I know, have and I was I was devastated. I was devastated after by spending it. more than half your young life focused, focused on, this, on thing. this thing. Oh my god! But we had moved, right? And I so my parents decided, oh, he doesn't know anybody. We'll buy him a pass to the community pool because nothing is better for a fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> than, than to be sitting at the community yeah. pool in my, you know, in my speedo, and my, <laughs> and I'm in this pool, you know, in water up to my chin. I don't know his soul. And and this teenage girl came over and she went, "Hi, do you sing?" And I and you know she was gorgeous. And I went, "Yeah." And this community, Livingston, New Jersey, had a very active and well-funded teen theater organization. And she pulled me into this production of The Sound of Music. They had lost one of the Von Trapp kids, and wow. I became a Von Trapp son. Um, and, <laughs> she's a ta- she's yeah. an amateur talent right? agent. Yeah. And what happened to me was not, yes, I got on stage, and I felt at home on stage, and, and, and I, I had skills on stage that I didn't know I had. But what got me was, I have a community. Mm. I walked into the first rehearsal. I opened my mouth. I went, doe, a deer. And they went, oh, my God. And suddenly you have friends. I never had a team. I never had a community. I never had a circle. So the acceptance was overwhelming. It was like, I'm home. And that's 
what started me down the I path. Was, was I need to stay a part of this community as long and as much as I can. Yeah. And did you just have natural facility for singing or had you? Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I had a voice. And, and then yeah. once I decided I was going to do this, I, I studied voice. And, wow. and, you know, if you like my singing, it, it got better over the years. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but I knew how to sing and I, I started taking some dance lessons. And I, st- I mean, I, I got very serious. In yeah, the same yeah. way that I had been serious about the magic. I got serious about, yeah. you know, trying to, to, and for me, because these kids were theater kids and we lived in Jersey, we would go every weekend and see two or three shows in New York. Oh, wow. So my dream of a, of a career, there was nothing with a camera. My goal was how do I get across that river and start working on those stages? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the total focus for me. Yeah. And your folks were, uh, were they like happy to like at least start boys? found it. <laughs> or is happiness not in there? Yeah. Um, my parents were amazing. They they were thrilled that I found a thing. They were thrilled that I, you know, was was doing well at something and had found a community. And they were incredibly supportive. Yeah. And scared to death because the more and more I got serious. I mean, I remember sure. one day in eighth grade, I went, hey, mom, have you ever heard of the high school performing arts in New York? And she said, yeah. Have you ever heard of Livingston High School? Because that's where you're going. Um <laughs> they they did not want me to think of this as a as a life. Yeah. Um, because they were just afraid. They they knew right. nobody succeeds. Right. So they my mother very much wanted me to follow her footsteps into medicine if I could. Yeah. Not realizing I was a you know functional idiot and there was no way I was going to do that. <laughs> um, uh, my dad actually. <laughs> I had a cousin, Ronnie, who was a very successful orthodontist. My dad wanted me to be an orthodontist. Right. So, so they were not thrilled. Um, but I fell into a professional career when I was 14 years old. I couldn't have done that if they hadn't been driving me through the auditions and yeah. coming to everything I was doing. And so the support was was huge. So you started to get paid. I fell into, uh, yeah, a professional career at 14. I was working with a little children's theater group that did original musicals in New mm-hmm. Jersey. And uh, a dad in the audience was a, a TV producer of sorts. And he thought that these little musicals could be a good television series for kids. Mm. So he he got investors and we shot a, a pilot for it. Uh, but we all had to join AFTRA. Yeah. So, you know, at 14, I got my union card. <laughs> wow. And uh, I got paid for that gig. He couldn't sell it as a series, but he did get it on the local New York affiliates on like a Sunday morning at yeah. 9 o'clock. And uh, a management company that only handled kids and teens saw it, liked me, found me, and said, we want to rep you. And I went, okay. And uh, and so at 14, I started auditioning for all kinds of things. But I started doing, I, I started building a commercial career. Right. Um, I, by the time I went to college, I had probably been in, you know, a dozen to 16 wow. commercials. Wow. And, and auditioned for a bunch yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So I, I was starting to get comfortable in a professional audition right. situation. And, com- and also, you know, making money that then you can yeah. spend on college. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a tape of that first that first thing? The, the- it's out there. I don't out there. I don't have it. It's called um so it was the push cart players. Uh-huh. And the episode was called Feelings and Friends. Oh. And it, it's out there. I think uh it I don't know if it's on YouTube, yeah, but I, yeah. but I have seen it. You've seen it on People the internet. People have somehow sent me, here's a clip of you. And you go, oh my God, where'd yeah, you find yeah. that? So yeah, yeah, it's out there. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's pretty fantastic. And you never wavered. You never kind of thought there was never a point where you felt, you know, kids that play baseball and then they, you know, 
they reach a point where they're sick of baseball or, you know, I never got sick of it because yeah. it's, as you know, it's never, it's never the same game twice. Sure. Um, and I never had to question it because, because <laughs> I'm born under a lucky star. I never had a period of time where it wasn't going well enough I see. for me to go, yeah, I'll Maybe. wait it out another yeah, month. It'll yeah, turn. Yeah. It'll turn. Yeah. So um, I was very fortunate. There was there was not enough downtime. Um, well, I, I, that's not true. Uh, after my Broadway debut, I had a bit of a dry spell, and I I don't drink. Um, uh, it's, it's not. A, I have no stance on that. I just never took a, t- a taste yeah. to it. Why, why, and I was, yeah, that was uh, that was just it. There's yeah, no real reason. No, just my like... mother. I, there was in New Jersey. There was a very famous case when I was sort of coming of drinking age of a young lady named Karen Ann Quinlan, who mm-hmm. very much like me was an asthmatic yep. and went on a binge drinking with friends and went into a coma from which she died. And right. my mother went- Complications uh-huh. with the medication <laughs> of some <laughs> yeah, kind. Right. Of yeah, yeah. My mother bore into me with those eyes and I went, oh, I'll never drink, mom. I'll never right, drink. Right, right. Um, but I never, I just, you know, uh, the stuff that you would, the only stuff I liked was the sweet stuff. Yeah, and you yeah. just get sick on that. Right, so, exactly. You can't really um, get a good drunk out right, of excellent. a so, slow gin fizz. Yeah. But I was going to, in this dry period right after my Broadway debut, I was going to go to the American Bartending School, which says in two weeks we'll make you a qualified bartender. Yeah. I, I would have been there six months because I, I, I knew <laughs> some people come in with some working knowledge of it or something. I yeah, yeah. But uh, that was when my wife, who, uh, when I met her, she was determined to try and be an actress. She said, yeah, you know what? No. I'm going to go to work. You're going to you're going to stay available. And so she went and took a job. And and about three months after that, I did get my next gig. Wow, and, you know. wow, that's amazing. You know, one of the things because I mean, I kind of you know, I got to a point when I started to hang out with. There weren't. I mean, I'm from a smaller town, so there weren't wasn't really like the theater kids. Right, yeah. I mean, they. I would have been one, and there was maybe one or two, but that doesn't. That's not enough to make a mm-hmm. clique, you know. Um, you have to do a very small play. Yes, yes. No exit yeah. by a Sartre. You know, not really but, high school but, fair. But. but like I went to, I, I was in speech team. Did you have Sure. Speech? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was in speech team and I got, uh, I went to speech team camp Ooh. when I was I, maybe a junior, sophomore, junior in high school. And it was my first, ex, my first exposure to theater kids, I, like yeah. real theater kids. And it was my first exposure to like, out gay teens mm-hmm. and just like yeah. kids with the their world. head shaped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like just all the 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 wonderful weirdos. Yeah. And and I wonder if like not drinking among these theater people like th- who are such libertines, like were you sort of seen as like no fun or no, like no really? No, yeah. they didn't give it. They didn't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't care. Yeah. No, I and even when I got to college, you know, there was <laughs> Uh, I was constantly, uh, you know, breaking out in highs because that's my reaction to weed is I get either like a migraine you mean just kind of headache. Second or, hand? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I couldn't walk down the hall of my wow. dorm. But um, but no, nobody nobody cared that yeah. I wasn't into yeah. that stuff. Um, you know, I went to college from 77 to 81. and, and Where was, was college? Boston U. In Boston University, yeah. And, you know, no, nobody cared. Yeah, yeah. Nobody cared. Yeah. And then you left college. Were you still working during college? Um, I was doing commercials. Yeah. In Boston or would you nope, come home, would for home for them? I'd yeah, yeah. Home. Yeah, my, the, the thing that changed, so I, I, I didn't finish college. I didn't graduate yeah. because the summer after my junior year, I got my first film. Mm. Um, a, a crappy little horror film called The Burning. Mm-hmm. Uh, notable only in that it was my first film. It was Holly Hunter's first film. It was Harvey Weinstein's first wow. film. Wow. 
but we three did of that the most film. notorious yes. creeps in Hollywood. Well, Holly, you know, yeah. terrible. What oh. a horrible, horrible. Yeah, yeah. her day is coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Um, actually, Holly and I became platonic roommates right after that oh, because really? I couldn't. Well, I'll tell you. Sorry, I couldn't yeah, go yeah. back to school because um, the movie ran over a little bit late, and so I couldn't get back to start my semester. Was that nerve wracking? That I, I would be a nervous. No, wreck. it was. It was okay. You were like okay because like, I talked to my advisor, and she yeah, said, yeah. Oh, "You'll start. So you'll come back second semester. You'll graduate a semester oh, late." And I went, "Okay, okay great." Um, so uh, Holly, who had just uh, graduated college, said, well, I know you're not going to be around very long, but you want to you wanna take a, a place together and we'll share the cost. So um, uh, I, we became roommates. And I... Here? It was out here? In New York. In New York. Okay. And the woman that had cast me in the film took pity on me and gave me a job as the office flunky. Oh. So I was reading with actors for auditions. I was doing filing and whatnot. And during that semester, what would have been that semester... A, I met my wife, uh-huh. and B, I got cast in my Broadway debut. Oh, wow. And um, that sort of upended all the plans about how and when I would get back to college, and and subsequently, I never did. Yeah, So yeah. I do not have a BFA, but I do have an honorary doctorate, which oh. is worth about as much as sure, this cup of absolutely. latte, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll link you up one right now if you give me a pen. Yeah. But I was able up. to say to my mom, Mom, I became a doctor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my son, the doctor. Yeah, my son, the doctor. She died in peace, by gosh. Were you always aiming? Because, I mean, you're a comedian, I I think it's fair to say. I I wasn't. You weren't? Yeah. No, that happened in college as well. Because, but I mean, most of what you do is comedy. I mean, you do Most of my professional life has been comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And are you okay with that? Uh, I've become okay with it. I've actually become very happy with it. Yeah. Initially, I was... um, that was like hearing I couldn't be a magician. Tell me about, was there one person yeah. that said oh, yeah. you should go into comedy? Oh, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was a sophomore in college, and um, we had a professor named Jim Spruill. He was the only black professor in my department. Mm-hmm. And Jim had come up in street theater in the 60s, mm. you know, political theater, trying yeah, yeah. to move um, uh, the civil rights movement forward and so he was he was a kind of nuts and bolts down and dirty guy. He did not he was not an aesthete. He yeah, yeah. told it like it is. And I kind of clicked with him. I really liked him. I liked yeah. what he had to say. And he pulled me into his office uh, at the end of my first semester that year and he had this very kind of deep basso voice yeah. and so I'll I'll try and evoke him. And he says to me, "Jay, I know your heart and soul is Hamlet and you would be a profound Hamlet." You are never going to play Hamlet. <laughs> so you best get good at Falstaff. And I was like rocked because he basically said, look in the mirror. You're five foot six yeah. on a good day when your feet swell. You're 20 pounds overweight on your best day. Yeah. And you're already losing your hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not going to cut the dash of the kind of guys you gravitate to play. So if you want to, it's not that you can't do those, but if you want to have a commercially viable career, yeah. you've got to start thinking about character roles and and potentially comedic character roles. And I always loved comedy. I just didn't think I was terribly good at it or had any flair for it. Yeah. So I took him very seriously and I created my own syllabus on comedy. And I started really watching and really studying everybody that made me laugh and wow. trying to figure out why are they funny? How are they funny? Yeah. What are they doing that I don't know? And I began 
sort of trying to cobble together yeah. a comedic sensibility. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of what I do when I'm playing a comedic role is I cast the comedian that I think would be great in it, and I kind of try and make them an avatar for what I'm doing. <laughs> uh-huh. Because I have no... I don't feel I have in a way that I understand my own sense of humor or comic persona. Mm. The George comic persona began as Woody Allen, morphed a little bit to Jackie Gleason, and then when I understood what it was, it became my version of Larry David. Sure, yeah, yeah. But never did I go, okay, what would Jason do? I mean, I was always thinking, what would Larry do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And so, you know, I just don't... I acknowledge my facility now with comedy. Uh Uh-huh. But I still don't think of myself as an intrinsically funny person. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And like when he said this to you, Mm -hmm. did you just know he was right? What made you not push back and say, you know, because so many of those stories end up being like, well, I'll show you. Right. And you said, okay. (laughs) You know, and which I'm not like, I'm not passing judgment in any way because I've had moments like that where somebody said, this is probably what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it. And I went, oh, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So I am capable when I am 40 pounds overweight of looking in the mirror and going, it's pretty good. You look strong, <laughs> right? But I can also take away that bullshit and yeah. go, wow, man, you're, you're letting it go. You're, yeah, really, yeah, you're, yeah. you're getting out of control. I was able to do that then too. I see. I was able to look in the mirror and go, yeah, I could. I can play those roles. I mean, I I I cut a little bit of a better dash when I was in college uh-huh. than I do now. And I said, oh, I'm viable. I'm viable. I could do that. And I was playing some of those roles. Sure. You know, when you could choose your own scenes, I was doing that stuff and and doing it effectively. But I looked in the mirror after he said that, and I went, I do look a little more like Walter Matthau than Jack Lemmon. Yeah, and. And and so I just went, yeah, no, I get that. And you know who was very big when I was in college was Belushi. Uh, and I was often, I don't know why, because I, I my sense of humor was nothing like his. Yeah. But I guess I evoked a kind of a Belushi sensibility. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, I get it. I get it. I get yeah, what they're yeah. talking about. So, and also I knew Jim was not a bullshitter. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I thought he was a pretty wise He wouldn't man. say that just to be mean or as no. a flip comment. No. Yeah. Uh, and- I really, I, I just, I gave him a lot of credit yeah. for for being straight with me. Yeah, you know. Well, it's 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 a it's a rare thing to be capable of like the kind of self love that it takes to look in the mirror and go, man, not bad. But then also have that with the reality of, you know, yeah. like to be able to write really take sort of like a sure. a realistic inventory. Well, also, you know? you know, part of the reasons I was such a turned in child is. I was I was an easy target for bullies because of all those sure, things. Sure, sure. I was small. I was heavy. You know, I wasn't doing what other kids were doing. I wasn't capable in the way other kids were capable. And yeah. so, you know, I got it. It wasn't a revelation when yeah, he said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a shame too because, and I mean, I've been through this work because, you know, I, having been, you know, heavier than I'd like to be for virtually my entire life, yeah. you know, a couple of moments where I'm like, yeah, every now and then right. we, we get it all yeah, together. Yeah. yeah I lose course. some weight. And then I'm like, here we go. Yeah. This is now the real me. And then like, right. you know, carbs. I lost come 50 around. pounds. Let's celebrate <laughs> yeah. with a Nate Claire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a face full of cake. <laughs> right. Um, but I, you know, and I mean, so I've been told different, you know, things I can do, things I can't do, mm-hmm. been left to think, 
would I have gotten that part if I was, you know, 20 pounds lighter or something like that? And I've often made the joke, which is only half a joke. You know, if I was to lose 20 pounds, I'd get a lot more uh, roles as the fat guy, uh, you know, because. Well, that happened to Wayne Knight. Yeah. Um, Wayne, um, a couple of years after Seinfeld, I saw him and he looked. I mean, not that he doesn't look good when he's when he's just who he is, but he but he had a lost a lot of yeah, weight, yeah. and he really, you know, kind of changed his whole affect when you saw him. And he said, "Yeah, I can't get a job." <laughs> oh, really? Wow! <laughs> I mean, he was having a lot of time booking yeah, like yeah. that because he he just looked terrific. But what sort of cuts Wayne out of the 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 lineup? Yes, had been removed. Yeah, and so you know when when you've when you've built things on the shoulders of a Wayne Knight and then that's not there anymore they go they look elsewhere they for that yeah, they don't go they well don't, let's yeah. now see what we can do with him and nobody's trying to be too creative in casting no 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 nobody well I should take that back I've met some very creative well, casting but, directors, I mean, but I for the most nobody. part yeah for I'd say yeah 99% I find of the time. in film and television they are not looking for an actor that can do that they're yeah. looking for that yes you know so yes. um I, yeah so and what and what they think of as people's idea of that right like th this guy is a uh, you know is a plumber who also is a you know a, i don't know a cat burglar right you know it's like <laughs> they're you know they're not going to go any kind of person, they're going to think, what does America think that that person will be? Absolutely. And it's frustrating in so many ways to think that and to think like, because, yeah, you being Hamlet would be pretty fascinating. Sure. And I and I would love to see it. But as that guy said, it's not going to happen. And I can sit here and go, well, God damn it, that's not fair. And then I'll go watch a movie and there will be somebody that doesn't quite. Yeah. I'm making air quotes fit. Yeah. And I'll be like, that guy doesn't fit. Right. You know, it's like. But you know what's kind of wonderful is I, I, I really see how that is disintegrating right yeah. now. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, um, people that we wouldn't have thought of as being, you know, sort of dashing leading men. And I, and I, don't, I don't mean to cast any aspersions, but I'm just going to use as an example. Um, Adam Driver. Yeah. Is a wonderful attractive leading mm -hmm. man. But 30 years ago when I was starting out, he wouldn't have been able to, to no. audition for those roles. Yeah. They would have typed him as something else. Um, even the fact that uh, certainly um, uh, in the theater now, casting directors and audiences are accepting trans women in female roles that have mm -hmm. nothing to do with being a trans woman. Yeah. And they're just going, tell me the story. Yeah. I'm I'm willing to invest you any way the story wants to invest you. And and it's just it's fantastic what's yeah. happening. It's really loosening up in a way that I think could be very exciting. And I will have aged out of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. 
This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Can't you tell my love's a Well, uh, I've kept you a good long time. Um, besides the podcast, uh, you've got some other stuff coming up too. You got it's uh, busy. It's yeah, busy. I'm going to go off to New York and direct a play for of the first the cottage, time. Cottage, starring yeah. Eric McCormick. What is the yes. Cottage? I don't know that. Cottage play. is a new play written by a woman named Sandy Rustin. Uh, it is uh, I, I, spoof is not the right word, but it is uh, a heightened version of the old Noel Coward plays. These oh. British comedies where everyone's very proper and like everyone's a having an affair with everyone else. A weekend else and, in someone's yes, you know country home. Marvelously witty yeah, yeah. and silly and funny and a really funny. It's just it's a it's uh, it's something that Broadway isn't doing a lot of right mm-hmm. now, where it's just a fun comedy. Yeah, um, and it's got a 16 week run that we're going to do from July 7 through October 29 with Eric McCormick in the lead, and uh, and I get to do I get I've been directing for 40 years, but now I get to do it on Broadway, so nice. I'm very excited. And you've never directed on Broadway before. <laughs> I haven't wow. directed in New York before. Wow, <laughs> yeah, this that's is, wonderful. It's it's thrilling, and you're also. You're getting uh, to live in New York at prime urine smell time. Indeed. You really are. Oh, yeah. All the best ripe months. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, and all the t- and you get to walk through Times Square with the guys inside the outfits who have not showered <laughs> in about seven years. And yes. it's yeah, it's the filthy fantastic. Elmo. Oh the fifth the filthy yeah. is Take it. Take a picture with me. I'm, $40. I'm Mackie Mouse. <laughs> you know. Uh, then you got the movie uh, The Electric State. Yeah, I think that I, I, you know, I should know when that's coming out, but I think that's Christmas of next year. Okay, uh, and then you're voicing a character in the upcoming animated movie Leo, starring Adam Sandler, co-directed by my old friend Robert Smigel. Indeed, uh, coming out later in the fall. Voicing American journalist Noah Brooks in a documentary titled "The Gettysburg Address." Eh. Yeah, I got a lot of little animation things. Have we, yeah, but I mean, and, really, you know, haven't yeah. we heard enough about the Civil War, really? Yes. Let's just put that Overrated, us. please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and an upcoming movie called Stealing Pulp Fiction. So That's an interesting little film. Yeah. I, if I, I, I tell you, we can name it. I don't know if it's ever going to see the light of day. <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those movies where it. everybody's ad-libbing, everybody's laughing their asses off, and I'm going, you can't use this, can right, you? Right, right, right. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Well, <laughs> we yeah, had a great, it was one of those things where we had a good time. Yeah. Hopefully the audience will I too. Just, you know, I just was uh, talking to somebody on this podcast and saying, if it, you know, like I kind of used it on the Conan show, but I try to use it across the board. If you pursue your own good time while you're doing something, odds are the work's going to be pretty good. You betcha. You know, so I think, you know, it's you probably betcha. a good. It's also, it's, it's my, Peter and I were talking about this the other day. Um, because we have a guest coming on that you'll see an episode of, um, who is the curator of the Museum of Failure. Oh wow, which is fascinating. But we, but he, he uses it to talk about failure as a tool of success. Yeah, and um, Peter and I, like I said, we've had two, by any barometer, failed series. One went six episodes, the other one did a season and out. Yeah, but they are not failures for us. They. The people we met, the things we got to do, the bonding time between the two of us, the joy of those projects. And and in both of them, I actually think we made a good product. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why it didn't catch on, but but they were not failures for us. And so if you enter into the things that we do together, 
for the goal of being, I want to serve my colleagues, I want to try and serve the material, I want to try and serve the audience and make their participation worthwhile, and I'm going to take my best shot at it. Yeah. That's all you can do. I know. You know? it's Well, it's a, it's a mean world, and especially in this business. It's, it can be, because I, I know exactly what you're saying. I was number one on the call sheet for three network sitcoms. Right. And if you uh, listen to the the trolls on the internet, I am a failure. Right. But it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Know. You know, I'm not, I'm not working for my mom. Yeah. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not still in Yorkville, Illinois. I was on TV. Yeah. I had, you know. Yeah. And it's like. Well, that's the thing that pe- the trolls never understand when they, when they yell the word has been. Yeah. That's a huge compliment. Right, because right. it means I did something. Yes. What absolutely. have you done? Or, or like, you know, why don't <laughs> you, you know? ride Conan's coattails? Like, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, no, I Jerry, will. I'm Jerry yeah, yeah, yeah. Flunky. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, no, you Bob. Yeah. No, we can't all be the guy in front. And I also, quite frankly, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. Well, I can tell one. you right now. I've seen what Jerry and Larry did on our show. I don't want that job. No, no, <laughs> no. That's a hard. All job. the meetings you have to have, and all the yeah. attention you get, and all the bullshit. It's they done. had those guys, Jerry for nine, Larry for seven. They had no life. Yeah, you know, I don't. I I, I raised two kids, and you know, did a ton of other stuff during right, those years. Right. So. And you're a grandfather now. I am. We mentioned that at the beginning. How it's is that? Great, I tell you. It is such a surprise. I don't want to be the cliche. I, you know, people, when we, when my daughter-in-law was pregnant and people going, you excited, you excited? And I, you know, I wanted to give them what they wanted, but I, I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it'll be really nice. Right, I, I mean, right. Why, it's not what? here yet. Right. So, I, I, it yeah. was, it was an abstract thing. And, uh, my grandson was born and they put him in my arms and I, I can't even describe. I'm sure it's exactly because it's hard to remember what I felt for my own sons yeah. when they were born. But it's that thing that happens where you go, I, th- "You're a stranger to me, you little person." Yeah. But I would, I would take a bullet for you yeah. right now. I, yeah, yeah. It's this instant thing, and he happens to have this very sweet, um, kind of focused demeanor about him, even yeah. as an infant. And so when he looks at you, he really looks at you. Yeah. And I just feel this beautiful connection with him. His face just makes me smile. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And the world is a is a slightly better place. And Wait, it was the notion of being a grandpa, you know, and the, the age that was that in any way? No, I remember. Yeah. I remember years ago, I was being interviewed for some magazine, and they said, "Where do you see yourself in thirty years?" I said, "I'm going to be an adorable little old man. I mean, I'm <laughs> tiny. I'm kind of cute. I got great stories. I do magic tricks. Come on, right? I'm sure. built to be a grandpa, yeah, yeah, yeah. and now I'm a grandpa. Right. So you know, it's all. No, I have no. The I gravity have won't that. have the strong effects on your body because no, you already have a low absolute, center of gravity. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We no. It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of wonderful, and in fact, it's it's invigorating, and it is what everybody says. You get all the good stuff, and then you go, "This was great." Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. And you hand them yeah, right yeah. back, and it's uh, it's. And I'll I, I tell you the really special thing. I I I adore my wife, and I adore her as my wife, as my friend, as my partner. Yeah, as a mother, I I, I am smitten by her. Yeah, as a grandmother. I'm falling in love all over again. Oh, that's great. She is, she takes that baby and it's like she's in her element, man. She just, she knows how to love that child and and communicate and comfort. And I just, 
I look at her with wonder all yeah. over again and go, wow, why don't you do that for me? <laughs> no, that was a long setup. And I, no, but all of that is true. And, because and, your diapers are more problematic. Well, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not on formula. Uh-huh. So, you know. Uh, no, it really is. And, and my wife and I are just having that experience again. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like you've left undone that you kind of, that's still ahead of you that you're like, ah, I want to do that. I want to open a pancake restaurant. I want to... <laughs> Nailed you know. it. Um, how did you pick that <laughs> I want to go to space longer than William yeah. Shatner did. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, no. there is, in, in the sense of us specific, no. Mm-hmm. What, what I hope for, and I've started only in the last 15 years or so to really appreciate to what extent I've been doing it without knowing I was doing it, but now I'm focused on it. So one of the things that my mom was, if she was disappointed in my choice of career at all, was she would always say to me, the best thing you can do, honey, is live a life of service. Mm. Be of service. Yeah. And certainly in her profession, she was. Sure, what a nursey thing to say, yeah. And I, for the longest time, you know, went, boy... My my chosen career, I'm, the only person I'm serving is me. Yeah. I mean, I do this because they pay me to do it. I like doing it. Yeah. It makes me feel good about me. Oh, look what I can do. Right? Yeah. And I never thought it was of service. And I, and I was, you know, um, diminished by that. Mm-hmm. Until I got a little perspective on things like the Seinfeld show, where people, uh, uh, and this continues to happen, uh, almost at least once or twice a week, I will hear from or meet someone who says, um, I was going through some bad stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, I was sick or I lost a parent or I lost a child or I lost a job or I was serving overseas or, you know, something was going on. And you got me through it. You made yeah. me laugh. I would, I would, you know, turn on your work and I would laugh and, I, and it made things better. Yeah. And thank you for that. And I went, oh my God, yeah. maybe it's of service. Yeah. So the teaching, the mentoring, the um, the activism stuff that I do mm-hmm. is all an attempt to, to really be of service. Yeah. And I feel like if I am given more time, there must be more ways in which I can do that because I am so aware of the what I think of as disproportionate blessings yeah. of my life. I do not understand it. I say it all the time. You know, my family and I will be in the backyard. We're having a barbecue. We we haven't got a true con- I mean, we all have concerns, but I'm not worried about paying the rent yeah. or feeding my family yeah. or, you know, and if I get sick, I can pay for my health care, you know. And as we're celebrating all this, there's Ukraine, or there's yeah. the folks under the overpass, or mm-hmm. the guy hanging out at the Seven Eleven, or the families that just got devastated because somebody they love went out and got shot by a stranger that yeah. day. And I go, how is this all possible at the same time? Yeah. And I feel more and more called to try and be of service to that other community. So how specifically I do that you know, when, when you say, is there something you want to do? I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to do the big telethon. I don't know how right. to do that. But um, I know that there are contributions to be made in some way um, and probably very small ones, but done a lot. Yeah. Um, if I am blessed with the time to do that, I hope that my remaining years will 
give me that opportunity um, because I, I honestly I, I it is nurturing beyond anything else I could do at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. The the last question of sure. the three questions here is is what have you learned? And I mean, do you uh-huh. have do you have kind of a you know like a sort of philosophical bit of advice that you pass on to people, or is there something that you know your path has kind of you know don't open a pancake restaurant that kind of thing where there's like one piece we're, of we're wisdom. going out for pancakes. I will tell you the the thing that. Um, so I do, uh, uh, you know, a sort of presentational comedic Q and A show, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and but they do result in real conversations, and I sure. do them all over the country, and I have many Q&A's conversations. Are the best. Yeah, they're, just they're the best. great. Yeah, and and I talk to many people that you would think initially we have nothing in common. In fact, we have a lot that pushes us to our own little corners. Yeah, and inarguably, we live in in a very divided and divisive time Mm -hmm. very tribal and 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 it breaks down into all kinds of different tribes but at the end of the day what i've discovered is unless there is someone who's deeply traumatized or has a mental health issue with those exceptions we all want the exact same things Mm -hmm. we would like to feel confident and secure we'd like to feel loved we'd like to you know, feel that we contribute and that we're seen and we're heard and we're mm-hmm. appreciated. We want to feel um, healthy. We want to feel, um, you know, that uh, when we when we lie down at night, that it was a good day and that there's actually a hope that tomorrow could be even better in mm-hmm. some way. The the angriest, most divisive people I've ever met, when you talk to them, it's driven more by fear than by rage. Mm-hmm. When when you chase a small animal they will run because they're petrified yeah until there's nowhere else to run and then that fear will become this ferociousness yeah we seem to react to the anger yeah and we forget the fear yeah and i can tell you as someone who has been fearful all my life i i feel that in people and when i when i am able to summon the compassion to reach out for them and say we don't need to be afraid of each other. Mm-hmm. You and I want the same things. Um, you know, I was talking to someone and we got into a thing because he was he was absolutely sure that I don't like guns and that, you know, I was advocating for people who want to take his gun. Yeah. And, and I said, you know, you're making assumptions about me because I advocate for gun control. But I go, you advocate for gun control. I said, you have, a fa-. I said, why do you have guns? Why do you, why do you, why is it important to you? He said, look, you live in a different community than I do. I live in a rural community. If, if something goes down, I have no reasonable expectation of anyone coming to help me for 15, 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I want to feel safe in my home, safe in my property, safe in my community that I can protect myself and the people I care about. And this is a tool that helps me do that. And I've never fired it at anything, at any living thing, but it gives me security and it gives me comfort and I can feel safe. And I go, I totally get that. I want the exact same thing that you want. I want to, in my community, where you live, these things are a useful tool. Where mm-hmm. I live, there's many, many, many more people. And the more yeah. of these that are around, there's more and more probability that somebody is going to use it nefariously yeah. or accidentally. Yeah, yeah. So in my community, the more controls on this, the safer I get to be in my home, in my house, in my community. And, but we want the same thing. 
Yeah. I don't want to take your gun, but I want to make sure that the people around you are as responsible and as, um, you know, as together as you. I don't want someone with mental health issues. I don't want someone with a domestic abuse problem. Mm -hmm. And neither do you. Yeah. And if you're going to have, I don't believe that citizens should have military-grade weapons, but if you're going to, qualify for it. Mm -hmm. Take a course. Mm -hmm. Get a license. Mm -hmm. Make sure that no one else can use this gun. Get a get a lock. Get a thing. Get a book. And leave them at home. Right. And right. And and you don't want people walking around with that weapon concealed at a carry with no permit, right? Yeah. I mean, and they're like, that's yeah, not going to make you feel safe. <laughs> no. And when you talk like that, they go, No, I don't want that. Yeah, and I go, yeah. Okay. So if you and I can have this conversation. We understand we want the same thing. We want to feel safe in our homes and our property, our community. You in your way, me and mine. Why can't we elect representatives that can have the exact same conversation we're having and, and understand that there's going to be different answers for different communities yeah. and provide for it? Yeah. And we walk away going, yeah. And I go, but what was that that? It started, if you looked at it initially, He's yelling at me. Yeah. He's angry at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not angry at me. He's afraid I'm going to do something. Mm -hmm. And and I'm afraid he's going to do something. Yeah. He's afraid I'm going to take away his gun. I'm afraid he's a nut with a gun. Yeah. So, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And so that's that's I guess my thing I would offer to everybody is I don't think we are as divided as as people profiting from our division would like us to believe. And you hit the nail on the head there because the reason that guy thinks that somebody like you wants to take his gun is because there are people that sell guns that tell him that anybody that says they want to control, which right. means how about we don't have hundred round magazines? Yeah. How about we don't? Or the know, Chris Rock solution. Yeah. I have a hundred man magazine, but it's a thousand dollars a book. <laughs> yeah. Or just, <clears throat> you know, any kind of control, any kind of, any kind of, like, as it is said, common sense. Yeah. Red, you know, it, there are people that are paid who make money off of that guy like thinking that. that a red flag law means you're going to come into my house and steal my guns. Yeah. No. And yeah. it's not a, it's not. It's not Joe Biden telling him that, no. you know, uh, so I don't know. Yeah. That's that's just I mean, you're right, because, yes, the person with the gun and the person without the gun, there is a middle ground. But there's a lot of chicanery, a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of, you know, I mean, because I, I mean, I I have done a lot of in in the open public space talking about common sense gun control right. still do done fundraising and stuff. I actually had to pull back for a while because it got dicey. Yeah, it got yeah, weird. You People, bet. you know, weird stuff happening. Yeah. Um, but I still always feel like on the one side with guns, there's a lot of money. And on the other side with guns, who's going to make money off of not having, not having, like, you know what I mean? Like, well, that would be great if we yeah. could make not having it profitable. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. You know, we, we went to the micro of guns, but social media, yeah, they're getting paid to make us scream at it. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm still on the social media I've had, but I'm, I, I got onto this new one that its whole mandate is you can't, yell you yeah. can't scream you can't be nasty yeah if you are you're not here and I, let me just tell you I, I am so happy oh really i'm so happy which it, one is it it's called spoutable okay 
it's not it's not even an app yet. It's it's a website, spoutable.com. Yeah. Um and it's not huge. I mean, I think I I think there's seven thousand ish people who are mm-hmm. aware of me there. Yeah, yeah. Um but it, it so far its mandate is crystal clear and its execution of that mandate is is very, very good. And people just treat each other with respect and decency on it. Um so far it doesn't mean there aren't opinions or differences yeah, yeah. of opinions, but yeah. they are they're really decent. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm enjoying that experience. Well, that's good. Well, I've kept you long Pancakes, enough. let's go. Yeah, let's go get some pancakes. <laughs> but, uh, before we go, I want to once again say, uh, listen to your new podcast, Really No Really, yep. with uh, you and Peter Tilden. It is uh, on iHeartRadio. Uh, but you can get it wherever. Wherever you get Wherever you get podcasts. Don't get them on the street, though. You can't trust the quality no, of street you podcasts. No, no. Yeah, you don't know. It could be a bad trip. And piracy Dude. is a crime. Yes. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Andy. And thank all of you out there for listening, and I'll be back next week. Bye-bye. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rob Schulte. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grawl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to The Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? Can't you feel it in a show? This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.